Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Real Talks. I'm your host, like always, Brady Carducci. And today on the show, I have a very special guest. He's a Toronto-based, multifaceted entrepreneur, creative YouTuber, creative director, photographer, cinematographer. He, he really does do it all. Um, he's worked with brands such as Mercedes-Benz, Adobe, um, and Corona, just to name a few. Please welcome to the show, Chris Howe. How's it going, buddy? Yo, dude. Okay, wait, you asked me to do this. Right, right, right. Boom, squirrel. Squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, I like it. Um, man, I'm really excited to sit down with you today, talk about some social media stuff, some branding, YouTube stuff, all that. Um, but before we get into that, we're, you know, we're living through a global pandemic right now. So yeah. how have you been dealing with uh, COVID and kind of all the stuff that's come about with it? Um, I think uh, I, on the personal side, that's where I've seen like the most development and I guess like a, a cycle of like stuff that I went through. So okay. on the business side, uh, luckily with YouTube and the position that we're in right now with a lot of like Instagram, social media, things like that, our business wasn't like impacted as heavily. So right. sometimes we have like travel jobs and things like that. So like all that stuff kind of went away, okay. but because our portfolio is so diverse, we work in the tech space, we work on YouTube things, we mm -hmm. work on this, um, we were able to like maintain our business and not be impacted too drastically by it. Okay. But I would say emotionally and personally, that's where I was like impacted the most by it. So like when the first like announcement of like the global pandemic was happening mm -hmm. and like, okay, all our jobs were like kind of getting canceled and yeah. like there was a lot of like, hey, we're getting pushback from things. Can we like do something in like a month right now instead of like right now. Mm -hmm. And then I had just made Lucas, who's behind me right there full time and we had just oh. got in the studio. So like basically I'd like s increased a lot of my expenses and then jobs were getting pushed back. And I was really worried a, a bit at the beginning financially, but mostly just personally that I was like, all right, are these the right choices or right decisions? Right. And then I kind of, I would say it's, this is a very, it's hard to define it exactly, mm -hmm. but let's just, let's, let's call it light depression. But okay. I, I definitely went through like a part where I got really, really sad and very anxious. And okay. then and it was about two two months of that and then coming out of that. And then now I feel like I'm in like the best place I've ever been in my life in terms of like my emotional health, my mental health and everything like that too. So okay. I would say the pandemic impacted me more on the personal side than it did on like the business side. Right. Now you said light depression. Now, do you think that's just because like, you know, you were under a little bit more stress. There was a lot of like un you know, unforeseen things that were, you know, coming your way. Like, what do you think, like, contributed to it? I I think it's because over the last three years, my lifestyle had changed so drastically with, like, becoming more of, like, a YouTuber and Instagrammer. Right. And I don't think I ever had a chance to, like, fully slow down. So what had happened is, like, let's move back two years from now. Okay. Um, I had started... I had had this company, we were working full time, like Lizzie and I were doing like corporate stuff and commercial mm -hmm. stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm also gonna do YouTube on top of that. So let's go from like 60 hours a week of being an entrepreneur and then right. adding like another 40 on top of that, as well as trying to maintain like family and everything else. Jeez. And we did that and we transitioned into YouTube and video and we were still working like these 60, 80 hour weeks. And right. I didn't have Lucas or I didn't have help so you for really all that. Everything. So like yeah. trying to do it all ourselves and mm. just trying to like keep our heads above water. And I remember just being like feeling so high off of that all the time because I was so excited that I don't even think I realized how much it was like impacting me. Okay. So when there's like a moment where like the breaks of like the world are just like slow down. I, I, hold, I think I, it, it gave me a second to finally like reflect on being like, yo, like, do you want all this? Is this mm. like feeding you properly? Like have yeah. you just been so distracted that you don't even know what you really want? And then I think when that when it happened, that's that's where we'll call like the anxiousness and the anxiety set in because mm. there's a multitude of factors where it's like 
my normal life had slowed down where like you kind of get used to this new normal. Okay. Then you're like finally looking inward versus outward for like a lot of validation. Exactly. And then mixed with just a lot of like conversations and people and being home and not moving as much and yeah. not taking care of my health. So like it, it was a lot of things all at once. Yeah. But I think it, it was important for me to have gone through that. Of course, because I mean now you just said you're in such a happy place, right? Yeah. So you gotta go through those peaks and valleys for sure. Question, quick question though, for in terms of the internal work you did, did you find yourself maybe graduating, uh, gravitating towards like maybe meditation to help with your um, like anxiety? Like did you find that that helped at all or? Uh, a little bit. I didn't like do meditation in like traditional sense of like sitting down and just right. being like, focus on your breath and be in the now yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's that's for me i've never really found that to be effective i've tried to do it it just hasn't worked exactly for like my type of personality right okay. but a lot of it had to came from like taking more out of my life so mm. i'm sure we'll probably chat about this a little of bit course. later too but I, like yeah. i finally decided i was like you know what i got to stop looking at like social media news and having all this impact in the world mm -hmm. and just like going for bike rides and going for walks and mm. like cooking my own food and finding passions outside of my job right. so that I my identity wasn't fully at attached to my work. So I think when like, that was a big thing is I think when I slowed down, work kind of like shifted a little bit too. And mm. I was like, oh wait, I only know myself as like a person that makes videos and takes photos. Right. Like how do I find more of who I am outside of that if we take that away? Interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. I know, I know, like, at least for me and uh, a lot of people I know, they have that same struggle because it's like, you know, you want to accomplish things, you want to be successful. So you yeah. get so wrapped up in that that it's like, okay, wait, like, I'm more than just what I do, right? I have a personality, uh, 100%. Interest, hobbies. So that's totally true. Yeah. And how do you measure that too? Because it's, it, it's yeah. very easy in YouTube to measure your success because you can be like, look, I have X amount of subscribers, I have X amount of views, mm -hmm. I have X amount of dollars, whatever you want to call it. There's exactly. like an actual metric that you can go by. But I think my values had gotten shifted very like subconsciously through my time on YouTube where okay. I was like focusing more on like, oh, let's make the video and get the views. Right, right, and I right. don't even think I realized, I was like, I'm not even pushing myself creatively. Like, am I even enjoying making these or am I just doing it right. for the hope of getting validation online? And the attention. And, and the that. attention and things like that. So like, it, it really took a lot of like reframing. So like, let's say it's not meditation that was like helpful for that. Okay. A lot of it was just like, in a reflection on like reframing how I measured what was important in my life. Because I, all I found was like, if a video didn't do well, it would make me super anxious. And if it, mm. I'm like, oh, well the card, all the, my castle of cards is falling or right, something right, like right, that, right, whatever right. you want to say. Yeah. And I think that's, that's when I was like, oh wait, I need to ground myself on other things that don't waver so heavily. And mm. then also realizing like, I have no control over that. Exactly. Like people like, my happiness was like being controlled by a YouTube algorithm that like Ooh. wasn't even designed by me, yeah. right? Which and then that, and then you're like, that's that's insane. Yeah, and right? you, when you make that connection, it's like, okay, I got it. There's a problem there. I gotta I gotta fix it. Yeah. Okay. So then that's when I was like, all right, I gotta like take social media out and just use it as my means of distributing my creativity rather than focusing on the results and the measurable results. Yeah, the analytics on the and the analytics side. I think mm -hmm. I just got like the thing is like this whole job started off as like very like creative have fun take mm. photos push yourself yeah and then what ends up happening when you build a business around your creativity is you start measuring it by like all right well i'm selling a product and then the product isn't just like sponsorships or things that of are course. in the video it's like yeah, yeah. my product is me it's my brand 
and then all of a sudden you have to build a business around it to make it a career. Mm -hmm. So then all of a sudden you start really focusing on like the analytical side and the business side, yeah. and you kind of lose touch with like why it all started. Hence why we have this whole sign in the back. I like remember that, yeah. remember it, why it, you started. It's simple, but it's, a, it's such yeah, a, yeah. A, a, a good message. Remember why you started. Yeah, it just helps like center you because you're gonna have days where it's you're gonna like look, and I, I even see it now where I'm like, I'm in my good place, but I'll see, I'll like have conversations with Lucas being like, mm -hmm. yo, that video crushed. Like, let's do something sick. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. The reason why we liked it is because we liked our creative approach to it and we were pushing mm -hmm. ourselves creatively and trying harder. And I would say for the first time, I'm like the last five videos I put out, I'm mm -hmm. proud of every single one. Okay, that's rather, good. Rather than like, I just put out a video to put out a video. Right. Right, to like stay relevant or something. Right. Or, or, to, or feed the algorithm, or yeah. feed the media machine, yeah. right? Or just that, even that mentally, just the, okay, I'm being consistent with yeah, what yeah. I'm uploading. Yeah. And like, I, and the thing is like, people really get caught up with on YouTube, consistency is like a regular upload. But consistency could also just mean like consistent quality or consistent consistency okay. on like improving yourself or something like that too. Right, right, right. And that's that's why I keep coming back to like it, it took a lot of reframing of how I looked at the world because mm. I was looking at it in one way and that was like not feeding me or making me happy. Yeah. And I needed to like reframe how I looked at everything, okay. which is more of like therapy and not not yeah. direct therapy of like I'm talking to a therapist. It's just like therapy comes in many different forms. And yeah. for me, it, it was just a lot of self-reflection and being like, all right, slow down, write things down, what is actually something that works for you, and then experiment with different things that are really actually feeding my happiness and based on more like organic and real things yeah. like being creative or you know, um, taking a photo I'm really proud of rather than like a photo that you think will do well. Yeah, just because of the, yeah. you know, who's in it or yeah, the, exactly. the backdrop and stuff. And yeah. the irony of the whole thing is that the business does better Right. When it's not, when I'm not focusing on the business, that's isn't that funny, weird? That's funny how that yeah. works, because eh? you think it'd be the it'd be the opposite. Yeah. It's, it's like when you remove your your mindset from that. Yeah. It's like wow, it actually does better. Which is crazy. yeah, it's weird because you're like, oh, I'm being more creative, and people actually like that. Yeah. And I'm I'm more of myself rather than like a person I'm trying that I think I should be for YouTube. Right. right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but that's actually segues perfectly into my next next question because I want to know kind of. How did you get into kind of the media industry, this whole film thing? Like, where did it stem from your from your childhood when you were growing up? Yeah, I my my mom's always like was taking photos like all the time. Okay. So like I think I just and then my dad was like really really into music. So like we'd always be listening to like Tom Petty or something in the house, and you have like okay. sound systems. So like seeing my parents being like I'm investing in cameras and I'm investing in like sound and I'm, I'm investing in audio and visual showcases that it's a priority for them. Of course. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's where it's like, okay, well, our family likes this kind of stuff. So as a kid, like, uh, you know, if, if we're going to get like really deep, and yeah, really go real, ahead, go ahead. It, it goes like, well, I want to feed their happiness and feed like what they like. So I want to start taking photos because my mom takes photos and I'm going to start playing guitar because my dad loves music. Right. Okay. And even though it's very subconscious, it helps that that focus helps like direct what ends up being a bigger theme throughout the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Right. And then they always loved movies and they always loved television. So okay. I was like, oh, well, maybe, maybe if I do some of that, you know, maybe they'll they'll really love that I'm doing that too. Yeah. And so and then I didn't come self-aware of that until like later in my of life course. too. Because it's, it's, it's like, just like it's very subconscious, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But for me, my parents were always were like, okay, you know, if you want to do something, let's let's get you the thing that you want to be able to do it. So if you want to play music, let's get you a guitar mm. and we'll go and do the research, we'll get you a good one and you'll go and learn how to do it and you can play music if you want. Okay, course, or yeah. if uh, I wanted to get into like cameras and shooting video, my parents are like, oh, well, we saw this thing at like Toys R Us, that's like a camera, it's digital. Mm. It was like the first digital camera. Right, right. It's literally called Digital Blue. Actually, do one second, have... I have it. Yeah, yeah, go yeah. ahead, go ahead. 
It's not here. <laughs> so, so that was you're saying like the first camera that you were actively like shooting with, pretty much. Right? Yeah. So that that camera was it, it was like this thing called Digital Blue, and it looked like a director's viewfinder. Oh, really? It okay. shot like 240p video. I could only shoot like five minutes of footage, oh. and it would take like one megapixel photos. Oh wow. Okay. And I would like bring it into the software, it was like the digital blue software, and I would make like short films, and I'd made like horrible stuff. Okay. And like CKY was always like a really big thing then, mm -hmm. so we'd always do like jackass style, like <laughs> videos and us like joking around and skateboarding, like it's very classic of that era, trying to follow in like the footsteps of like Johnny Knoxville and like mm -hmm. things like that. And then I would go into like the auto show and I'd make a little video with my oh. dad filming like cars and stuff like, okay, that. like that. And then we would do family vacations. Mm -hmm. And the irony is I didn't know how to spell vacation. So I made a whole series and my parents never told me until later. Right, right. I made how family vactions because I forgot the extra oh, no. A. So there's like a whole DVD series of like these family trips that we went on called right, how right. family vactions. <laughs> so I would, I would film our family trips, so like that's where like the travel comes in, that's where like cars became a theme, that's where like all these little things in my life and documenting it became mm. important to me. Okay. So I started shooting on that camera and I would say like that's what like really sparked my interest in filmmaking and photography. Okay. Do you guys ever as a family would like go back and watch like your, your old stuff and just like reflect like, oh, I remember that time you're at the cottage or something? Like is that a thing yeah. you guys do? I haven't, we haven't done it in a while, but I think okay. it, uh, I know exactly where the DVDs are at my parents' place. Okay. And I think if we went back, we'd probably watch them and just like laugh and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. But Good it was memories. always like, there's always like really like fun travel montage videos. And that's okay. funny because that's kinda later in life, do. like kind of yeah. what I still do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, was, I was doing that at like 14. And my parents just always kept investing back into like my passion. So if I was interested in that, right. they're like, all right, well, let's buy you like a mini DV camera. And now you're shooting like HD, like 720 right. HD. So it's like an upgrade. Yeah, know? an upgrade. Yeah. And I would like start shooting on mini DV tapes. And we would just kind of like keep going from there. And then my dad bought me like a mirrorless DSLR Nikon wow. and then a D80. And then the D80 turned into a Canon 7D. And the Canon 7D right. turns into a Sony A7S. And now it turns into whatever cameras that we use now, right? Yeah, which, so, is, which is a lot. But yeah. yeah. Interesting, interesting. So in terms of like uh, skill development, obviously, you know, your family was into cameras and all that. Would your, like, I mean, would your dad, when you're shooting, give you tips or would you go to somebody else? Like, did you have any mentors or someone that would show you kind of like technique or angles, like, uh, you know, composure, all that kind of stuff? Uh, I just, I grew up in like the internet era. So, yeah. right. So, I mean, we all did. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, I think my mentors or the people I learned from are just like reading blogs and seeing other people doing it online and mm -hmm. like, you know, as I started to get more serious, it'd be like watching people like Devin Supertramp and okay, things yeah, like yeah. that. So like my education was more on the YouTube side because my dad, you know, he's like a software implementation person. Oh. So like he's not, he doesn't do that. My mom, um, you know, she she was focused on like raising me. So like for, for my family, like they liked creative things, but they mm. weren't like traditional creative people. Oh yeah. Right, that so my sense. dad like, play his guitar but he only likes to like play bony bear songs over and over again and mm -hmm. like that's his vibe yeah yeah whereas um i think i learned just because i had friends who were like creative friends and we would just like do things like that together yeah. so i'd learn through my friends because they would learn through someone else right and they and things show like that. you and they show you how okay. to do it so i a combination of internet mixed with like people around me I, I just didn't have like a traditional mentor in the space okay yeah. no that's good I, I mean even even for us even for myself too like i need even if it comes to interviewing or like I don't know, like music. I just always go to always go to YouTube. It's always a good yeah. Mentor, so. You're you're the the online mentors. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but in terms of you know, in uh, you know the uh, obviously development, but 
When you were, you know, developing, obviously you started to take uh, film, photography, all that pretty seriously. When you're going on that path, you know, were there certain milestones that you hit that were like, okay, you know what, like I should really pursue this with with all I've got. This this seems to be something that a I'm good at, b people like, yeah. and I just enjoy doing it. Yeah, it, the funny thing is I was pursuing a career as like a musician for a while. So like right. I wanted to be like a singer-songwriter. So like my my history with creativity went like photo video, then picked up a guitar, then I stopped doing like as much photo video, but maybe mm -hmm. I was like documenting me as a musician on photo okay. and video. And then I really wanted to like I really wanted to do like the Jason Mraz, Jack Johnson thing for a while. Mm -hmm. I was also part of like a band with my grade 12 English teacher, like a, oh, a heavy like metal okay. alternative rock band <laughs> called The Bloody Five that had four members. Okay. And uh, I played bass in that band for a while too. Nice. So after I graduated high school, my grade 12 English teacher was like, oh, I know you play bass. Do you want to like be in a band with us? Mm -hmm. Now that it's not weird that, you know, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. graduated. <laughs> uh, so we did that. We like toured. And we made an album, like super proud of that. And then that shifted into like pursuing a career because I, I was a big fan of like Ed Sheeran and like Macklemore. And I was mm. like, oh, well, if they can kind of do their own thing too, yeah. I kind of want to do that. So quit the band, started pursuing singer-songwriter thing. And I gave that like all I possibly could. Yeah, all your I energy. I was like all my energy. I would try to sell out shows like everything that I possibly could, hustling CDs afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I just like realized that that lifestyle like wasn't for me. And what was happening okay. is I was making all these videos to promote my music and people would be like, I really like your videos. Okay. And I was like, no, no, like the song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The song's good. <laughs> I mean, the you know, video's but, like, good. But, but the video's really good. Yeah, I was like, yeah. okay, well, so I found myself ending up in this like videographer and you know photographer role and people were like, well, there's a demand for it now. And as they were shifting into like more social, mm -hmm. there's the opportunities where there's like these jobs didn't exist before. So I was working as a lifeguard for the town of Newmarket. Okay. And my boss was like, hey, I know you like make videos for your music and stuff like that. Do you want to make a video for like our aquatics department? Oh, okay. So I filmed the video for them. The mayor of Newmarket saw it. He was like, we should give this kid a job. Do you want to? And then they were like, do you want to do the same thing that you're doing? Get paid the same that you're getting paid now as a lifeguard. Okay. But you just make videos instead. I was like, that sounds amazing. That's pretty cool. So I did that for a year. Um, I ended up creating like a couple of viral videos in the the government space, okay. which is like 5,000 views for like a government agency. It's like yeah, a yeah, million yeah. views. So it's like 5,000 people saw this? Yeah. I, oh I can, my I goodness. I just picture like everyone yeah. like around the, yeah. the cubicle. Oh, like, look yeah. at this Yeah, they're like, that's almost the whole town, <laughs> yeah, exactly. right? So the um, I started getting calls from like different government agencies and I built, and I, I had a moment where I was like, oh, I have, I can make money here. I can still be creative. And at that point, my passion for music was certainly starting like to dwindle because it, there's just so many roadblocks. And at some point, you can just like, you can only handle it for so long, right? Mm -hmm. And I felt like I had given it like my all okay. with music. Like I had gotten featured on like Good Morning America and wow. I just selling out shows. And I just realized that like nothing was like turning the page or nothing felt like it was like a proper career. Yeah. Whereas I was like, oh, I can make a video and make five times as much on a video then I was just hustling a whole show yeah. and selling that out. And although I, I would get these like really big rushes on stage from playing music, mm -hmm. I just I could get the same thing. And I, I realized I could like have the the lifestyle that I wanted by doing more photo and video because there's demand in the market for it. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll if I look at what my goals are with music, it was to be able to travel around the world and do that kind of stuff. And then the more interviews that you watch, you hear that musicians are like, well, you just live on a bus. Yeah, and, like, and you or go like to a the hotel. Venue yeah, or yeah. a hotel. Yeah. And I was like, well, but in the photo and video world, I could maybe like work with tourism boards and I can maybe like get to shoot and be creative, but also have those life experiences. Mm -hmm. So it kind of just was this whole like shift of like, well, maybe I'll stop with music because it's like not really even making me happy anymore. Exactly. And start going to photo and video, which is like providing 
happiness and financial opportunities mm -hmm. and maybe has the opportunity to do something like bigger with it. Mm -hmm. And there's like somebody said something to me one time that like stuck with me and I was, it really like reframed how I looked at the opportunities with YouTube and Instagram is that like Instagrammers and YouTubers are like the modern day rock stars. Oh, 100%. Right? 100%. So then I was like, well, okay, well, music, I love music and I don't I don't want to say that music because I think that music is such a universal language. Mm -hmm. It's so powerful and can do so much for people. But I, I think I just realized that that wasn't my vessel and my vessel was photo and video. Yeah, because I was, I was going to ask you because if you, you talk to like some creatives that, you know, they, you know, they, they start doing one thing, let's just say, for example, like music, like you said, they find it really tough to be like, oh, okay, like I have to give, because, you know, at the end of the day everyone has that dream has a dream whether it be i want to be like the next nba player i want to be the next yeah. like you know michael jackson or something like that so so did you find it like really really tough or like you said because you're losing the passion it was a smooth transition for you yeah you know it was just it's it's a tough thing there was like one moment when um there's like grant systems in canada right and the grant systems can like fund music videos and they can fund viral videos and they can fund all this stuff and mm -hmm. i was like I remember applying for it, it was called like the Much Fact Viral Fund and they would okay. give you like five grand to make a video. And I had these concepts of me like surfing and playing guitar at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I wanted the money to be able to like fund the production of that and then use it to like help promote the video and just use those funds. I was like, all yeah. I wanted was five grand. That's not that, yeah. Right? Yeah. And I applied for the application like five times and I was denied every single time. Wow. And I would see, and it's not, and I think at that point it wasn't that, I just felt so defeated. Mm. And to the point where I was like, well, is this a sign or is this like, because you can always be like, well, just keep digging more. Like, the, you know, those like Facebook memes yeah, yeah. where it's the guy like the digging. Gem, yeah, the gems, and then, then yeah, it's like, yeah. and then there's like the gems are just like around the corner. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. am I that guy? Or do I, do I just take this as a sign that like, maybe this isn't working mm. and maybe this isn't like what I actually want to be doing. Yeah. And then I realized what would actually make me happy. And it mostly just kind of was like the passion was dwindling. I was getting too defeated. I wasn't enjoying playing bars at two in the morning for drunk oh. people anymore. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, you know what? Why don't we why don't we shift this into like something that I'm also really stoked on? And that was like providing just as much creative happenness. Right. That's actually a really good point you make because it's like like even in maybe your work today, like other opportunities, do you like do you still find it tough to be like to give up on something or be like, hey, you know what? Like I really want to do this project, but it's just really not for me. Like do you like do you have you found that balance and and saying yes and saying no? Or are you are you um, you know maybe jumping to say yes to things more so than than de declining? When I first started in YouTube, my whole thing was I said yes to everything. And it's like, that's kind of like the beginning of like any business. So like I was already, we were, Lizzie and I had this company and it was already established and we were kind of in this position where we are like, oh, say yes to this and say no to this. Mm -hmm. But with YouTube at the beginning, I was like, well, I want to grow it. And it's like, yes to every collaboration, yes to every job, yes to this, even if it doesn't pay, yes to all of it. And then at that point, you can just discover what you like and what you don't like from that. Exactly. And one of my favorite quotes is from Miles Davis. He says like, the notes that you don't play are just as important as, as the notes that you do. I like that. Right? And yeah. like imagine trying to hit all the piano keys all, all at, at once. once. It would yeah. just sound like garbage. Right, right. But the moment if you play it in like a beautiful way and you don't play certain notes, it sounds better. Mm. Right? So I always look at my career like a song. Okay. And I always try to be like, let's make it as like melodic and beautiful as possible. Okay. And let's try to like, you know, just make it say fun. yes and no to the right thing. Yeah. And now I'm in a position that, I would say I'm in a fortunate position now where I could feel like I can have the strength and the confidence to say yes and no to certain jobs, even if it's like, oh, but that would like pay really well yeah, and that yeah, could yeah. be great. I've, I've learned more about, it's like about integrity 
and you have to go through those things. Like I've said yes to jobs that I probably shouldn't have said yes to, mm. and I re recognize that it wasn't worth the short-term gains right. of like, oh, well, sure, I got some money up front, but like this impacted my brand or this did this to my happiness or this made me feel a certain way. Yeah. So now it's very like deliberate, like Lucas and I will have conversations about being like, is this the right job? Is this the right opportunity? Mm -hmm. Like I'll, I'll say it on the channel now, like I, I said no to like a Lamborghini job one time. Oh wow. I got like, they were like, hey, do you wanna like drive cars down the coast of California? Right. And I had to say no and, and, and it just wasn't the right fit in my life at that time. Okay. And I know it sounds ridiculous, like when you first hear that, mm -hmm. you're like, well no one, gets, it's, like, it's, it's Lambo and they yeah. picked like a handful of people. Mm. I just remember, it wasn't, what I wanted to be doing and it wasn't the right fit for our brand. And at that point, if I had said yes to it, I would have not done it justice. I would have been burnt out and I would have, um, I just, it wouldn't have fed me in the way that you think it would have yeah, for a lot of people. It wouldn't be like as fulfilling as, you know, the yeah, you would have it's still about. awesome. Like if that opportunity had come at a different time or maybe at a different date, then for yeah. sure. But there's so many factors that you have to keep in mind for those things. It's, it could be timing. It could be the, the jobs, the people that are on it, the right, the certain things that are involved. And I would just was like exhausted. Like I was like, I just didn't want to like, if I had done one more job or traveled on an airplane oh. one more time, yeah, what you I would have. I probably would have like collapsed on site kind really? of thing. Like it was just too much. So yeah. it sounds ridiculous when you're just like, oh, you turned down a Lamborghini job. Mm. But it's like, yeah, I had, that gave me the knowledge and the confidence to be able to say no to future jobs. Because if I can say no to Lambo, I can say no to anyone. That's actually interesting. It's, it's just, this just popped in my head. But you know, when you get these big jobs, like, you know, work with Mercedes or Lamborghini, because I feel like, you know, your parents or your friends, you would have a lot of outside pressure. Like, oh my God, Chris, like you declined a Lamborghini. Oh job. yeah, like, especially with my dad too. Like my dad loves cars. And I remember telling him being like, they want to do this. And he's like, ah, oh, once in a lifetime opportunity, bud. Right, right, right. You got to yeah. do it. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, am I doing it for me? Or am I doing it for him? Mm. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, am I just trying to do this so that he'll be like, yeah, dude, sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And like she can show, he can show his. Like, look what my son did. You yeah, know? or whatever it is or for whoever. him. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it 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 takes a it for that you have to like be in such a tough position to say no mm. that it, you're like, well, it, this gives me so much strength in the future. Yeah, exactly. Well, and also too, like now, um, like, do you keep everything? Like, if you get, uh, you know, a brand approaches you, do you keep everything just so close knit in house? Like, you know, the group of people that you work with directly, so that yeah. you're not influenced by outside force, uh, outside uh, people to say yes when you know you really know hey, it's, it's a no. Yeah, I would say on the decision to do it, yes. Okay. On the on like, if I'm saying yes or no to do the job, then it's like I would probably just like do my close tribe of like Lizzie and you mm -hmm. know maybe like one other friend of mine who's like works as a mentor and then Lucas. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, we, I'd have a discussion there. And I also have to remember too, cause like our agent will bring us jobs and he'll be like, yo, this is sick. You should do it. Right. But I have to remember that like, it's in his best interest to like also of course, get the job. job right? So yeah. like I, it gives me, I have to take a minute and be like, all right, one, do I want to do this? Okay. And then two, if it's someone else that wants to do it, am I doing it for them because it makes them also happy? And is that going to feed me and feed my happiness too? Because mm. I might say jobs, I might say yes to jobs because I know that Lizzie wants to do it and Lizzie's my partner. Of course. So like then I'm like, you know what, I'm in because it feeds you and feeds your goals. Mm -hmm. Or if it, for Lucas, if he's like, I've always wanted to do this job, then I know that it's because I'm making like my small team happy. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so if it's about the decision, I keep it very close knit. Okay. And then if it's about like the 
creative and the it's all about collaboration. Of course. It's so, like we're working on a job right now and I'm like reaching out to like all these friends about being like, yo, what are your thoughts on this? What do you want to do this? How do you, how can you bring your awesome creativity uh, to this and make this better? Because I think collaboration on the creative side feeds me and feeds the project and makes better art. Mm -hmm. Of course, and we yeah. always reaching out to your network too. I mean, you probably you know are you know hit up people like oh I haven't I haven't talked to him in so long, but you yeah. know it's like oh it's good it's just good to reconnect. Totally, like I so it's funny like for this next one I wanted to, I want to shoot potentially like a drummer. Okay, and I used to be a part of this like rock band, so like yeah. I messaged I hadn't I haven't done anything with the band or I haven't really like talked to them much. I talked with like one of the guitarists like a little bit, mm -hmm. but I hadn't chatted with the drummer in like six years. Okay, yeah. right, and I just like shot him a text message being like, dude, long time no talk, like. I think I have a chance for us to do something fun together. Like, yeah. do you want to give me a call later? Let's like, let's figure it out. Mm -hmm. you know? That's cool. Um, so I want to kind of uh, shift it back a little bit to when you first started to really take YouTube and show and social um, seriously. So, what was that decision like for you? And how did you approach being like, okay, I'm doing all this film stuff, like you were saying before, you're working yeah. with uh, the city of Newmarket. So when did that shift happen of, okay, I'm going to do the YouTube uh, route, I'm going to take it seriously, and maybe if you want to talk a little bit about, you know, the, the strategy and the trial and error to really uh, build your brand to where it is now. Yeah, that's, like a, that's a pretty loaded question. I know. No, no, totally. Um, okay, let's, let's, like, let's move can, back and, like, give some context. So, course. like, it, it, it was definitely, like, a super hard decision to be, like, I'm giving YouTube, like my full go. Yeah. And what I always tell people is that like that choice of like where do we go from? So we had the we had the agency. Okay. And the agency was doing well and Lizzie and I could have like coasted off that for the rest of our lives and just did that. Just did that. Like okay. built that, did commercial and corporate work and like we would have been happy doing that. Mm -hmm. But I also wanted to like work with travel agencies and I wanted to do some more social stuff and I was a really big fan of like Casey Neistat and Ben yeah. Brown and all these things and like a part of me always saw myself in those guys. Mm. right and I was like man if they can do it like th those are just normal dudes yeah you know what I mean like Casey owned an agency and all he did is just start making YouTube videos so, like you know it's not what's so hard about that no, it's just course. like why can't I do it too yeah. like wh why not why not me why not it be me yeah. right mm -hmm. like there's nothing and I always Lizzie and I talk about this like I came from a family where like my parents were always like you're great you can do it so like I almost had this like blind blinders on okay. with a lot of my life where I was just like, no, nothing can hurt me. It just go full force. Right, right. Right. Things, yeah. So like I'm also like an Aries personality, which is very like bull, like fire, just go for it. Passion. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I I'm the type of person that like will not assess all the risks and just be like, ah, there's probably risks. Right, but right, like right. well they'll show up when I'll they show up. Them, yeah. Right? Yeah. So I would just like go after things and I would chase things down. And just take the chances. Oh, well, you know, there's only a 20% chance that that could work. I'd be like, no, oh, I'll gamble on that. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. So that's like context of like, we had the company. This is my personality. And then at that time, let's, let's move back two and a half years. I was trying to do like some social stuff on Facebook because I thought Facebook video right. was going to be the next big thing because I didn't um, think that YouTube was going to like, I was like, off. oh, YouTube is like, everyone just does YouTube. Mm -hmm. Maybe Facebook, maybe I have a better chance and better opportunity if I become like a Facebook guy, right? Right? Because there's like a handful of those people. Like there's like Nas Daily mm -hmm. and people go, oh, Nas Daily is like a Facebook guy. He doesn't make YouTube videos. That's a, a, face, a Facebook That's guy. a Facebook guy. So maybe I can like, you know how there's like there's Casey, there's Ben Brown, there's this person, there's this person. Those are all YouTubers. Mm -hmm. So maybe I can be like lumped into this like Facebook community. Okay. All right. So I was like, all right, let's do that. I had a lot of success with making these like travel videos where I go to location, film it, 
put it out and some of these videos get like a few million views. Oh, wow. And I was like, this is insane. Like yeah. this is this, this is, is something. This is my in. Yeah. Right? And then so I was kind of doing social things then, but we were also still doing the company. Mm. I was like, this is fun. And then at that time, I had seen that my friend Peter, who I used to shoot, Peter McKinnon, who used to, we used to shoot weddings back in the day. Oh, no Together. Way. That's how we first connected was like over shooting weddings. That's pretty cool. And I saw that one of his videos, which was like the camera hacks one in 90 seconds, got featured on yeah. like Petapixel. And I'm obviously like a gearhead and like mm -hmm. gear nerd. So I was like, saw it on Petapixel and I messaged him. I DM'd him on Instagram because we're friends. And I was like, Peter, and it's been like a year or two since we chatted last, but dude, I saw you on Petapixel. This is insane, man. Like, awesome. We And then he was like, dude, it's so great to hear from you again. Like, let's grab a coffee. So from the time I messaged him to the time like we actually got coffee, which was only like two months later. Oh, so quick. Like pretty quick. Yeah. He had grown like a few hundred thousand subs, right? So wow. then I like started helping with some of his videos. I was watching him and he was telling me more about the ins and outs of YouTube. And we sat down nine nine months into his career so this was about like august and he was just about to okay. hit like a million subs and yeah. it was like super close to it and we were sitting down over chicken wings and he was like dude i see what you're doing on facebook i see who you are and the type of person you are like i really think you'd be great for youtube right i think you should do it okay and i remember like that from the moment he said that to the moment like i decided was like kind of this like one month two month like period because like what you have to realize is like if I'm gonna do YouTube, it's not just like, oh, I'll make a couple yeah, YouTube videos. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, I have a career and I'm like, we're trying to grow a company. And then I'm also trying to be like, let's do YouTube on top of that. So mm -hmm. that's when those like hours come in where it's like 60 hour weeks now turn into like 80, maybe 100 hour weeks and shooting videos. And that time on YouTube means time away from my family, time away from Lizzie, Lizzie yeah. time away from our company potentially for opportunities. Like I had to like, when we were starting off YouTube, I had to right. like, Lizzie, I can't come to this shoot or we got to push this shoot back because like Pete wants to go shoot tomorrow and this is like a good opportunity. Yeah. Right? And she'd be like, I don't know. This seems kind of like selfish. Right? Because right. you, you're making that a priority now. Yeah. And I'm making YouTube a priority instead of like other things. And like, and then balancing that, like it's a whole, like when you start off in anything, it's yeah. like, let's call it riding a bike of YouTube. You're wobbling. You're wobbling yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So you're figuring it out. So like it was to answer your question, and with all that context, it was a very long decision to be like, I'm doing this because I consciously knew I'd be taking time away from other people that were important in my life. And I'd be taking time away from other things that were important. And that meant like saying no to jobs that were paid on our corporate and commercial side mm -hmm. to do jobs for free on the YouTube side in the hopes that YouTube would, would be a thing. Right, and it would pay off. Yeah, and that's where the gamble comes in. It's like, oh, well, even if this is a 10% chance right. and it's slightly increased by the the fact that like Peter might give me a shout out, mm. then maybe I can turn this into a career. Yeah, but it's just like, that's almost like perfect timing because it's like, like, you know, you reconnected with Peter and what a guy to actually kind of, I would maybe consider him a mentor to you. Totally. Like, He's like one of my best friends that provides so much career guidance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and when you, when you were, speaking of the guidance, when you were first starting out, maybe if you, what are, what are two, two tips that, uh, that also, you know, the audience can take value from. Yeah. Of like, you know, if anyone out there who's just starting a YouTube channel and wants to grow it, um, can like implement or, you know, even you implemented when you were starting out. One of the ones that like always resonated with me and I still try to do it to this day if we can. Right. Is like if you have an idea about a video and you're like excited about it, like make it as quickly as you possibly can. Okay. So like that's the thing is like keep the momentum going. Because like what we always found is that... Like we're, we have a couple projects right now that are kind of like ongoing and we're kind of chipping away at them over months and mm -hmm. you just kind of like lose your excitement. It's like trying to kick up the ball in soccer. It's just like, it's yeah. it's not easy. It's like hard rather than just being like, 
I'm excited about this idea. Start, finish, upload, move on, done. Okay. And like you'll see that excitement in the the content, and you'll see that carried through in a lot more ways. So I would say like if you have an idea for a video, try to follow your own voice and make it as quickly as possible. Okay. Because it's very easy to like see what are trends on YouTube and then make that thing and then right. overanalyze it and mm. then you just lose the excitement yeah. about it or you try to do it, oh, it's like, we'll shoot this day and then we'll do this day and oh, this thing goes on. It's like, mm -hmm. no, make something as quickly as you possibly can. Okay. And then uh, two is definitely like find your niche and try to find like two or three things about you that you can kind of go in on. So if it's like you want to do a photo and video channel, let that be like one of your pillars. Okay. And then if there's something else that you really like, like for me, maybe it's like wake surfing or maybe it's cooking or maybe it's like Lizzie and I's relationship. And that's like another pillar. Like mm -hmm. we'll make that a part of like a vlog series in it. So that's like uniquely to us. And then find one other thing so that you can cycle these like themes around in your channel that are more you, mm -hmm. but it's more or less niche down into like one to two things okay. that people can like latch onto. So at the beginning, I would, like Sarah Dici always says like, yeah. there's a really good one where it's like one video for them, one video for you, because okay. it's all about like longevity in this career. Cause YouTube is like, you don't want to burn yourself out by trying to make too much content for someone else or for an audience because you're like, oh, I think they'll want this. Right, right, right. A lot of the times it's also more of that like Steve Jobs mentality. That's like, mm. they don't know they want it until you've made it, Yeah. right? Yeah. So like this combo of like all those like themes are like, things that come up all the time when I'm trying to create content. Mm -hmm. I, I think I want to circle back to is before you were you were talking about you were talking about like consistency and you were saying it's not all it's not always like, you know, uploading every single or every day or twice a week. It's also yeah. the quality. Totally. So um, did you, you know, when you were first starting out, did you, were you paying attention to, okay, I got to not only make this entertaining and creative, yeah. but I got to make sure the quality is good or did the quality came later on when you had more resources to spend on equipment, spend on an editor and do all yeah. this other stuff? I, I always have this mentality when I'm like starting out or making something where it's like, I'm going to learn, like, let's call it a graph here. Okay. Right. I'm going to learn and just like release videos and grow over a longer period of time rather than being like, I'm not going to make anything. And behind the scenes, no one's going to see anything. I'll just like get really good really quickly. Right, right, and then right. now I'm at this level. I'm almost rather like just show and like, all right, maybe it's not a perfect video. Maybe there's like weird audio stuff or maybe there's this, but like make it, release it, move on, learn from like the mistakes of that and just keep, keep going and grow over a longer period of time right. versus it just trying to be like, make this perfect. Oh, this one cut mm, should mm. be like a microsecond here. A lot of the times you're probably already 80% of the way. Mm -hmm. And if you feel like you're like, I'm done with this project, just release it, put it out in the world. But there's, there's two frames of mind when it comes to like consistency, right? Cause like, I always say like, you could take like the Sam Colder approach and just like, you know, he puts out like a couple of videos per year, but like every time Sam drops a video, it's you know, it's yeah. going to be like amazing. Mm -hmm. Right. So like his consistency is about quality. Right. Whereas like some people's consistency about is just about like upload frequency. Like it's like, oh, I'm just there. I'm seeing there like, oh, this is a good video, but it's not something that you're like, oh, this was like art or this is amazing. But you're still there where I think certain people have done really well is when you can hit consistency and yeah, quality and like upload well. frequency. And I think that's part of the reason why Peter was so successful in the beginning part of his career. Mm -hmm. It's because he was just never missed uploads and there were always like banging. Right. Interesting. So, and it's tough. And that's where like, I would miss consistency. Like I would miss like a month because we were just so busy with like our other job. And I'd be, had gigs that I had to go, like I'd have to go 15 days with Mercedes to like a job somewhere. Right. And that just means I can't make a YouTube video. Yeah. And I would notice this like drop off in the audience retention or something like right. that. And engagement probably and engagement. Well. So like a lot of it now where my head's at is just like, 
I'm not, my consistency has shifted rather than like make a video, make sure it's up every week is definitely more on the lines of like, just make sure it's great and it goes up when it's ready. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, even for us sometimes, with, even with projects or uploads, like, uh, well, I'll speak for myself. It's I'll get in my head being like, man, we missed that day or this is yeah. late. And, and it's just, it, it weighs on me. But like you said, you know what, you're, you, you know, you take the time to make sure it's, it's quality yeah. and your audience is going to appreciate that. And they're going to see at the end of the day, they're going to see the growth. And I think, um, that growth is, is maybe more important than, you know, having to come out and be, and be perfect because yeah. that's like, really like i feel like that's unrealistic yeah. to a certain extent right i think the flaws work in your favor yeah. on youtube mm-hmm. i think people like appreciate when you're like a little bit more off the cuff or you make mistakes or like something's not perfect yeah because it that's like I, that's another reason why i also think casey w- did really well because it's like um someone described it really well his like stuff's very scrappy right yeah, yeah and yeah, it's yeah. like but you kind of love it because it's so scrappy mm-hmm. like it just it looks it's professional but it still looks very like the camera would fall over and like he makes mistakes and that that's what makes it seem so authentic and real mm. and i think the more that you can incorporate those things into your content the more at least on youtube i think that works in your favor it just depends on the brand that you're building of course um now i think a thing that goes along with that or kind of ties into this theme is growth so obviously you have a strong following on youtube and and uh, instagram and social so as a creative how do you obviously um, maintain that that following and that audience but also look for ways to really grow that at the same time because when you're at the level that you're at now i feel like you know it's it's very it's very hard to like okay figure out ways to up that and, and do that so how do you challenge yourself like creatively to to, to do that i think I've, I've definitely stopped caring about like the growth metrics okay. in a sense so it's like oh you know i only got a thousand fans this week or whatever let's whatever the number is like yeah. i'm not going to look at that okay. and like try to measure that anymore for me it's it's about like growing as a photographer or growing as like a youtuber or an on-camera personality or as an editor mm-hmm. and like growing the skill set because the skill set like the audience can disappear but the skill set will never disappear so like That's and then point. and then the funny thing is is that when you get better at at your skill set the audience grows mm. so like the thing is like don't focus on trying to grow your audience like focus on just like bettering yourself and bettering your skills mm-hmm. and that oddly feeds back into like growing your audience because what i realized is that like when i got better at editing photos and better because i what i did is i recently like re-edited a bunch of iceland photos from a trip that we went on like okay. three two did, years ago did you post some of them recently? yeah and i've been okay. like reposting them just because i was like i want content to post and i look at my edits from two years ago versus my edits recently and they're like just more tasteful more artistic i learned mm-hmm. a lot more mm-hmm. and you can see that it's being received by my peers and being received by the audience audience better mm-hmm. so that it's up for me it's now like challenging myself to grow within my niches and my skill sets mm. because it's hard because like i don't want to be like oh let's do this gimmick thing to get fans and like yeah. try to do this it's just i tried to do that to do that for a while mm. and it just like it, 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 wasn't it doesn't work and yeah. if anything is that audiences are getting a lot smarter and they can smell like bs miles and yeah. miles away and they so won't you, tolerate it and either. they don't tolerate it yeah so like you now you have to like make good stuff you, like that era of YouTube where you could just make whatever and get views. I mean, maybe it works for some YouTubers, yeah. but at least within our niche, what I've realized is that like, you gotta like treat people with respect, treat them like how we're having a conversation here. Exactly. And not try to like, um, you know, what's the, what's the word? Like spoon feed them everything. Cause like yeah. everyone's very like, very intelligent. They're very tech savvy. They're very with it. And when you can just talk to people like, normal people even through your content Mm -hmm. you you get that respect back 
Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, even just meeting you today, it's like, you know, I've watched your videos and the, you know, your personality and the way you come across is the same as you do on video versus in person, which, I mean, you know, not every, you can't say that for everybody. So that's 100% true. It's hard because, like, when there's a camera on, it changes your personality. And mm. it's taken, like, years of being in front of the camera to just be yourself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I always say, like, a camera, like, changes who you are when it's in the room. Because you mm. come so, like, self-aware. Yeah. And then you realize that, that it's, like, captured forever and then yeah. you're like well if it's captured forever like how do i look how is it how am i coming across yeah. and then you'd be just like all these things come in like factors and just being authentically you mm -hmm. so that's why like it's an exercise if you want to get good on camera you just gotta like pretend talk. it's not you just there gotta pretend then, it's not there or like yeah. i'm let's say like i'm uh, this camera right here i'm not talking to the camera mm -hmm. i'm talking like the person on the other end of it which is like in this situation maybe it's josh who's yeah. on the camera or maybe it's the person that I'm connecting with who's watching it through a computer or their phone on the other end. Mm -hmm. And you gotta just talk to them like, yo man, what's going on? All right, so like uh, today I'm gonna show you how we like actually fill this cup of coffee up with something right mm -hmm. now. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, then, and rather than being like, hi everyone, and welcome <laughs> back to my channel. Yeah. Hi you and you, like treating it like you're talking to an audience, because yeah. it is a very- Like, like you're on a stage You're almost, on a stage, yeah. it's a very personal thing. Like you have to remember that, like the majority of, of that, how people consume your content is very like one-on-one. -on -one. Like think about how you consume content. You're not, most, more or less you're not watching with a lot of people, no. right? Like it's not like everyone's going around the computer like, oh, let's watch this as like a group. Yeah. That was like previous television era. People would watch that as like a family or mm -hmm. as like friends would come over. You don't see that as much anymore because what's happening is people are like on the bus or they're, they're on the go oh, or they're phones, watching yeah. and it's very personal. I'm one on one with this person. Mm -hmm. So how do you make that as like personal and authentic as possible? Yeah, and also too, I mean, it works when you, uh, like for your audience as well because when they have that one-on-one -on -one connection, they almost feel like they're, they're part of the family, they're part of your life, like yeah. they, they know you in a sense. You yeah, know? I don't like it's, I don't like talking to an audience, I like talking to a person and that's exactly. like, that's a big thing. 100%. Um, so I wanna talk about now social media because I know that's been kind of obviously a big play in your career but just social in general has grown so much with TikTok, now Instagram's it started with so Reels. Things, and man. It's, it's a lot. So um, I mean, just from my experience, I know you can probably speak to this too, but I feel like there's two different sides of social. There's the good side, there's the positive side the creative side, and then there's the the bad, the comparative side, kind of the negative side. Yeah. Um, so from your experience, like, you know, what's your kind of your, your thoughts on social right now and how do you approach it as a creative uh, on the platform who uses it every day? Yeah, I, I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. Like for me, I recently like deleted Instagram, Twitter, like even my mail, like all these like distracting apps, they call them distracting apps or yeah. things that like would feed my ego mm -hmm. um, in terms of like, oh, I'm getting likes or I'm getting comments or like if I say this thing, it's gonna like start a conversation or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I just like, for me and the type of personality that I have, I'm like an all in or, or nothing, like right. a very like highly addictive personality. Right, right, so like right. I, if I go down that path, it's very easy for me to get triggered and then just start going in and then all of a sudden I'm looking and I'm like comparing and then I find myself going through like those themes that we hear about all the time about like, mental health where I'm like, I don't even notice it, but I'm like, I just don't feel happy on Instagram. So I'm like, mm. oh, how do I use this in a way that I will be happy? Yeah. And I only ever feel happy when I've posted okay. and then released my content into the world rather than like consuming more than creating more. Right. And then and then interacting with my, my initial fan base and like get going there and then leaving it. So I go in, I post my thing. Hey guys, I'm here for a bit. I answer a couple of questions and then 
I'll go away mm -hmm. and I'll take it out of my life so that I can go back to creating more. Because if I consume too much, that's when I start to feel like sad and I start to get the other things that come in the comparative. Like the FOMO or something yeah, like that. Or like, yeah, or like, oh, Matt Como's doing this thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Or like, oh, Rory Kramer's, oh, that's sick. I want to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, remember to be happy for these people and at the same time, don't don't let these like subconscious like comparative things come in because it happens very quickly and, he, and it happens on every scale too of course right a lot of people will be like oh I, I wouldn't expect that to happen to someone who's has like such a long career in this and it's like no it happens all the time mm -hmm. it doesn't even matter what the numbers are it could happen to somebody who has like five million fans and they could still be like oh Kylie Jenner has this yeah, right? yeah, just, yeah. it's like it's it's all relative it everybody it's everyone right yeah. so I would just say like you know find a way to utilize it find out how you consume social media in a healthy way mm -hmm. and do your best to stay on that track and like you'll waver but for me like i needed to like delete it mm -hmm. off my phone and then when i use it it's very conscious i re-download the app and then i like post. post my thing and then i'm like all right i'm done boom delete it's mm -hmm. off so okay so going from obviously you know using it um scrolling through every day to now taking a step back you've deleted it obviously you're not checking it except to posting how has that like, I don't know, has it cleared your mental? Are you more, are you happier? Are you more energetic? Like, what are the changes that you're seeing right now? Yeah, it's like all of that. All I would say, above. like, I would just say, like, general happiness. Like, I would say for the, for the, not first time, but just, like, for, in the last little while, I'm, like, the most happy I've ever been. Okay. And I feel, like, the most creative I've ever been. Mm -hmm. And I feel the most confident I've ever been. So, like, in the sense that I'm like, oh, I want to make this thing, and I feel, like, the confidence and excitement around it, whereas before, it's almost like making would drain me because I was like, but maybe this video won't do well. Right. And I'm like, what was happening? Dude, this is ridiculous. And, like, mm -hmm. you created your own job, and you're, like, un upset. Yeah. This is insane. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're, the, you're your own boss, and you're being a shitty boss to you. Right, yeah. It's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. So like you have to like take a step back and like reframe everything and go into it. So like I would say because I'm not on my phone as much, like I'm like my screen top screen time has dropped drastically. So like when right. you just look, you think, oh, I, I just have more time. Mm -hmm. So what do I do with that time? I've been cycling. I've been like biking a lot more. Oh, now I'm more active. Well, now because I'm more active, I have more energy mm -hmm. and then I'm feeling better. I'm dropping weight and I like how I look. And then it's like this whole thing that like it's all momentum in like the area that I want it to be going into. Mm -hmm. And then I've just realized it's like, okay, now that I have more time and all these things, I'm, I'm just, it's fed me in the way that I've wanted it to. And I've known I should have been doing this for so yeah, long. There's that voice. But I the, couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah. And that's where the, the addiction comes in. Mm. Where it's like, well, you're just addicted to social and you're just addicted to your phone that you literally can't put it down. And yeah. you're like, I know I should be working out right now. And you're just like on scrolling, it. Yeah. You're scrolling and you're like, whoa, I know I should be doing this, but like, you just can't. Yeah. And that's where like, a lot of people might comment and be like, well, you have no self-control and I can do it. It's like everybody's personality is so different. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's that's where I was at. Yeah. And it wasn't working that to the point where I'm like, I need to like put my phone in like a safe or I need to delete yeah, lock everything. It away. Yeah, lock yeah, it away. Yeah. Because I just realized it was like, I'm like, I hate this thing. Like I can use it in yeah. like a in the right way, but right now I actually hate it. Mm. This is my phone, by the way, not just like invisible <laughs> thing. Uh, I just like get it out of my life. And I'll use it when I want to be purposeful or like I'll use it to be creative. Interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's just crazy because you brought up a good point. It's almost like now it's like the phone is, is another it's another arm almost because it's yeah. like, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't think of walking out that door right now without a phone or yeah. going on a trip without a phone. It's 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 uh, it's kind of scary how much technology has just influenced our life to another another yeah. level. 
Yeah, we have like access to all the world's information to the point where you're like, well, I don't even need to learn that because I'll just Google just it on Google the spot. It. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't need to know where that is or where, what street that person lives on. <laughs> like, you know, like your parents will be like, make sure you take a left when you get to like Johnson Street. And then when you get there, you'll probably see like a house and you're like, mom, 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 mom. I'm I'll just going to use Waze. Yeah, or Waze. Yeah, right. Yeah. But then like if you take that away and you're like, well, if I didn't have it, maybe, maybe it is worthwhile for me to like know the directions of that place. Because mm-hmm. like maybe I am relying too much on technology. Exactly. Right. Um, now, speaking of Instagram in particular, I know they were one of the first platforms to take away the number of likes, the, the actual number, yeah. um, you know, so t- I guess to help with some of that comparative stuff. It just in your opinion, you know, what are some of the changes that you think uh, these platforms should make in order to, to make it, um, you know, a little bit more of a positive environment when it comes to people's mental health? Uh, it's just it's just tough because it's like it's all like algorithm based, right? So like you have to understand like the business model of Instagram, where it's like mm-hmm. they just want you to be on it as long as possible because they can fit an ad in every ten photos, and make me right? Out, so like for them, they're they're in it's not in their best interest f- to feed your mental happiness that's unless true, it affects yeah. their business. That's true, right? Yeah. So like I think they only started to do the comparative thing and take away the likes because they were like, well, we that maybe that will make people stay on it longer, mm, right? Because it's feeding point. this like other thing. So I would say like it looks like they're taking the right steps to it. I don't have like a hey Instagram, I have an agenda that you <laughs> yeah, should like. Write it out I don't yeah. really like know. I think it is a very like personal experience. I think it comes to the people and like how they want to interact and use it mm-hmm. because it's it's like cigarette companies aren't trying to make their cigarettes less addictive. Of course, yeah. Right? They're still just making them mm-hmm. and they put the the errors on the front and they yeah. put all the, the stuff. The lungs, you the know. The lungs, but like people know what they're doing and of they know course. what they're they're getting themselves into. Mm-hmm. So like I don't I don't think Instagram is going to say like they're going to want to do anything. If I had yeah. choice over it, I would like I would just say stop you know, feeding the photos that you know are getting the likes and that pull people in right. and making like an IG feed that, you know, is very targeted to your demographic demographic and your interests. Yeah. I would just say like maybe throw in some like other stuff in there that maybe is more artistic or maybe it would be something else that would be outside of like what you would normally be exposed to there. Right. Right, but hard to say. It's hard. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Instagram. If you want, you know, yeah, maybe yeah, take yeah, some, yeah, yeah. some pointers. I don't know. We'll we'll have to see for sure. Um, I want to talk about you know early in the interview. You've mentioned a couple of brands, Lamborghini, Mercedes. You know, you've worked with Adobe, Google, all these big brands. So, what's been your experience like working with some of the you know the biggest brands in the world? Um, and you know, when you first started out, you know, did you even think you'd be working with brands like these? Um. I always like, I think we talked about it earlier. I just had this like these blinders on. So I'd always just be like, if someone else can do it, I can do it too. Exactly. So like, I think I'm very grateful to be in the position that I'm in, but it was very much like if if I want to work with Mercedes Benz, I'll find a way to do it. Right. And like, I'll work backwards. I'll bust my ass. I'll go through the ditch, like whatever I need to do to like, to get in the door, to get in the door. Right. Yeah. So it was always like, it's possible. Like it exists. Like if someone else can do it, there's n- absolutely no other reason why you can't do it too, right? Okay. And obviously there's like exceptions to the rule and stuff like that too. So like um, I would say like if you have a dream of working with a company, just like somehow reverse engineer it so mm-hmm. that you can find your way to do it. And even if that takes you five years, you still got to the end goal, exactly. right? And it's worth it. It's and it's worth, worth it. it. Yeah, and it's worth it in the end because you're going to be doing what you you love. And that comes with all the saying yes and saying no and right. and working hard and, you know, kind of eating shit 
for a long time until you have the opportunity yeah. to like get in those positions and like realizing that you're like, I am eating shit right now and this sucks, right. but you know, it will get better, mm-hmm. right? So, and then to say what the experience is like, the funny thing is, is like when I worked with like more, let's call them like local businesses or okay. um, smaller companies mm-hmm. that their, their money was directly involved and the person's like, I made this money and now I'm investing in you right. to make this thing for me yeah. so I make more money. I always found that way more stressful than working with like Mercedes. Like Mercedes is just like, you shoot cars, we trust you, so do, do your thing. thing. Yeah. And I'm like, what's your agenda? Like, do you have anything? Like, what do you want? They're like, no, just get bring us sick photos. Okay. I was like, well, that's too vague. Like, more detail. Yeah. Exactly. What do you want? They're like, no, 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 we trust you. You you do this. We like you. You do you. Mm-hmm. And then when you do that, and they like I've, the funny thing is like when you work with those brands they have more budget and they trust you more. And because the budget is like allocated specifically for marketing and there's usually like a hired marketing mm, person yeah, that has yeah. no emotional attachment to that money, they just go, well, this is business and if it works out, great. If it doesn't work out, that's who the way. It, it, not who cares, but like they're they're less emotionally attached to the money. Right, because it's, it's not their money. Exactly, like right? they're they're trying their best to invest that money properly for the company that they're hired by yeah but it's not so much like if it's like a wedding company and it's like i worked so hard to do this to mm-hmm. make this money and now i'm gonna trust you yeah to and make they, my they video you dead in the and then it's, like, it's like it's way it's like even yeah. more stressful than it is working on the other stuff and not to say that every job is like that like we definitely have worked with like bigger companies that have been very stressful and very hard to work with mm-hmm. and you you're, you're it's you know it's a lot to take on but i would just say through like working with those bigger brands um, there's more room for creativity because those brands understand that you're a professional. Of course. Right? Yeah. So it takes a long time to get into that position where people will trust you to do that, mm-hmm. but you just got to keep working on your skill set and working on those over the years. Of course. Um, now, do you have like a, a job that, you know, maybe you and Lizzie have done or you've done personally that uh, stands in? I know you, we were talking earlier about you got to, uh, you know, drift and drive some uh, pretty exclusive uh, Mercedes-Benz vehicles yeah. uh, across Canada. So. Uh, any favorite projects that 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 one's always like a really fun one that's like probably like one of my favorite projects of the year like mercedes goes out to like gimli manitoba and they make a giant ice track and they bring out like 20 cars with professional drivers and you go drifting mm-hmm. on this course for like a couple days straight so like that's always like a highlight because like as yeah. a motorhead i love that as a filmmaker it's always like super fun visuals the team and like everyone that works on those projects is so nice that's so good. you're working with great people doing cool shit making fun videos like mm-hmm. You can't Def- ask for anything better. Definitely, like, my favorite thing by far. Mm-hmm. But um, there was one project this year that Lizzie and I worked on that, like, stood out where it's, like, I always had this goal where I wanted to, like, I feel like a lot of people have this and, like, Cody Coe's made videos. It's like, I want to travel the world and make videos. <laughs> it's, like, obviously a lot of people want to do that, but, like, I had set that as, like, a goal, like, 10 years ago. I wanted to, like, have a travel show and do it. Mm. I did, I, we grinded through so many horrible travel jobs that, like, didn't pay and like we worked so hard to just get like a free beer or something like that like all these things to getting to the point where like we ended up like this past february we worked with like the tourism board of switzerland and we got to like travel through switzerland and we had to make like a commercial for switzerland and it was like that everything ran smoothly on the job we got to do these crazy life experiences like eating fondue in like a hot tub after climbing mountains for the day like it was it was like, you know when you're like, you've gone through all the worst things in the possible world to get to that point, yeah. and it finally you got to taste like what you had always dreamed of? Yeah. It was exactly that, and it was the best job, and it was so fun, and I got to do it with like my fiance, mm-hmm. and it was like, we both just like loved it so much, and that was like, ah, man, 
after busting her ass for yeah. so it, long. It tasted sweet. It yeah. tasted awesome. We got to finally eat the cake. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? cherry on top. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of travel, Switzerland, um, you've been to some pretty cool places. You've done a lot of traveling that, you know, not the typical person gets to do. So what's been your favorite place you traveled to? And then what's one place uh, after this whole pandemic's over that you want to get to? Yeah, um, I would say like one of my favorite places in the world, and this is the Azores. So it's these islands in the middle of like the North Atlantic Ocean. It's actually part of like Portugal. Um, That was like the first tourism board to ever really like support what we were doing. Okay. And they were like, hey, we'll we'll send you on some bike trips and we'll send you like go eat food out of a volcano or stuff like that. And I remember like that was the first time I think I realized that I was like, oh, this is possible. Mm. And like if like if I can get this, then I think I can. I could maybe things. I could turn this into a career or something like that, yeah. and so the Azores has always remained like a really special place for me, and I just love it there. Okay. So I've been four times. Lizzie's oh, been wow. three times. We work with the tourism boards and a bunch of agencies out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do photo courses out there. Um, that's like a regular thing that we do annually, where we'll like hand select like ten applicants and we'll do like one on one trainings with them out in okay. the Azores, and it's like so fun. That's like I would say is probably like my favorite place with cool experiences. Um, and just to, like, you know, we got to go swimming with dolphins in like the North Atlantic ocean oh and you God. just like dive down and these dolphin pods are swimming around you and stuff like that. That's it's like cool. stuff like that's like, I love. Yeah. And then one of the places I really want to go to, there's like two, I really want to like do like a, like a boat trip through Greenland. Like a friend of mine okay. goes on like one of these like old wooden ships and he like teaches a course out there. So I really want to go and do that with him. His name's Gunnar. He's like Icelandic explorer. He's out oh, of Iceland. He's okay. awesome. And then I really want to go to Norway. Like that's like a dream place. Yeah. Like just like there's like beaches in Norway. Like that's like on the bottom parts of mountains, and it's just like oh, it looks mm-hmm. like heaven. Yeah. One of, I have a pretty good friend who's from Norway actually, like over by Oslo, and he yeah. he just sends me like photos of the mountains and the lakes yeah. and the rivers, and I'm like, man, I, I need to get there sometime soon as well. Yeah. It's beautiful. We're um we're doing a trip that we're probably going to be launching in the next couple of days. I don't know if this is coming out, but okay. we're also going doing like a group trip to New Zealand like next April. Oh, so awesome. like we're we're going to have like the opportunity to like travel with 20 people and one of my dreams is to go to like Milford Sound because there's these boats that like drive into waterfalls oh, and you can like take these photos of like standing on the front part of like this boat as like a waterfall is like pouring on top of you. I'm like, I want that. Yeah. I just like, and like that New Zealand just looks incredible. It's beautiful. Yeah. But specifically Milford sounds like a bucket list dream destination. Okay. We have this thing with like our group of friends where it's like everyone gets one dream trip Mm. and like our four closest friends and we all have to do it. So we did one of them last year. My friend wanted to go like dancing in the clubs in Berlin. So like we went and did it. And then Lizzie really wants to go to Chernobyl. Oh. Like that's her dream place. <laughs> so, and then I've always wanted to go to Milford Sound in New Zealand and like fly a helicopter through like the fjords. Like that's like a dream oh. thing for me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we'll see. So that, those are the things. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so for people who want to, you know, learn more about you, uh, check out your content, um, subscribe to your channel, all that good stuff. Where's the best place for them to check you out at? Um, definitely YouTube is like the main place where you'll probably see like the most creative and like interesting and most personality mm-hmm. uh, on that platform. The second one would be Instagram. I like try to write like very like transparent, you know, captions, captions and yeah, try yeah. to be very like open with my audience and stuff like that on stories. And then if you just like Google Chris Howe, you'll probably find like interviews like this. And yeah. that's where you get to see some like real one on one and like some real stuff. Of course, definitely. Yeah. Um, so to end off here, I just wanted to play a little rapid fire question game with you. Yep. That's cool. So yeah, I'm let's just do it. Rifle off some questions. It's like a short answer. Or do you want me to like go? <laughs> uh, well, one of them you might, couple of them you might have to think about them. Okay, but, okay, hey, go okay. for it. So first one is if you're on a TV show, if you're on the TV show Survivor and had to vote either Peter McKinnon, Alan Palander, or Matty Hapuja off the island, who would you choose? 
Oh man, that's so hard. I know. That's, I had to make it. I yeah, had to yeah. pick some three of your close friends. So. Oh man, I would probably. Can I vote myself off? The I, island? Guess, like, I don't know. If I, right? I don't know if I could do that to those guys. Okay. Like go away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get off the island. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yourself. Um, so I mean, you mentioned before that you're you know used to sing, play guitar. If you could record a track with any living artist, who would it be? Um, I um, I love I love Ed Sheeran. Like That's a, a good lot, yeah. yeah, yeah. I just like everything about him. Like as a person, uh, I feel like it would be like a really fun creative project that like just has like some more like universal appeal. Yeah. And then I'm also a really big fan of Logic. That would be like oh, a yeah. super close second right now. Right. I would say. Okay. Um, so next one, what's do you have a favorite movie of all time? Um, this is gonna sound like super basic, and it's just like a feel good movie, and I'm probably get judged for it. But okay. like Forrest Gump is just like okay, amazing. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. love it. It's just like it's something. It's one of those like just feel good movies. You put it on. I love the theme of it. So yeah. Mm-hmm. And you gotta love Jim Carrey too. You see yeah, yeah, Tom Hanks. Oh, oh, I'm thinking of some other movie. My yeah. Bad. Oh, I, I apologize. Um, last one. If you could have any superpower in the world, what, what uh, would you choose? I don't know, just to, like, if someone was feeling sad, just to be like, I can make you happy. Mm, I like that. Like, yeah. a, like a little, like, snap or, like, a, a potion. You yeah, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I like that. Um, well, Chris, thank you for coming on the interview. <laughs> Squirtle. <laughs> <laughs> really appreciate it. Guys, thank you for your time and attention. Uh, I'll make sure to leave all of uh, Chris's social links in the description box below, as, long as, uh, as well as our own. So if you guys want to keep up to date on our content as well, you'll be able to. Chris, thank you for coming on the show thank again, you. and we'll catch you guys soon. Take care. Hey guys, it's your host, Brady Carducci. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Real Talks. Just wanted to give a special thanks to our editor, Daniel, for editing this episode and our producer, Jesse, for creating the music. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to rate and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It would honestly help us out tremendously. If you would like to stay up to date on new episode releases, make sure to hit that subscribe button. You can also follow us on Instagram at Real Talk Show. Thank you, and I'll see you on the next episode of Real Talks.